for it. I like Coming to in hot right now. I like to record. I like to get going. I like to get it, get things done, get things yeah. in the can. Yeah. You know, keep keep the keep the money getting printed. Yeah, the, all that podcast money that we fucking dying out on day in and day is that, out. Is that what we do? That's right. That's how we. That's how we live. <laughs> if we only, live. if only that's how we, we live could on do this that. big podcast, <laughs> big podcast money. Uh, how are you doing, Kyle? Doing all right. I'm I'm in the throes of uh, wedding planning. Well, yeah. That's right. I don't know if the people know. I don't know. Congratulations. I'm engaged. Uh, Kyle's engaged. Kyle's yeah. engaged. Um, it's exciting. Very. It's exciting for, for the pod, for all you out there. Uh, it's good. It's good. Uh, you know, it just so happens Kyle's um, betrothed isn't, isn't in town no. right now. She's <laughs> oh, been off for a while. Not. And I can already tell. I mean, he's just falling apart. So <laughs> it's, we got to get this wedding happening as soon as possible. I'm, I am. Uh, he's barely, slumming. barely functioning. <laughs> he's barely holding it together. So this is it. I mean, I've often told Kyle, it's like you got to get this one right. You've got to marry someone who's going to be more successful than you. I, yeah, which his wife is definitely odds are be. high. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and you just for yeah, you just force her into this union, and then she's got to support you and put up with you. That's yeah. that's really how I've survived. Well, I mean, uh, I'm I'm taking on. I, I you gave me a book. It was the Ben Thalen the yeah, Carriage yeah, yeah, book, yeah, yeah, and yeah, so yeah, I'm, I'm trying to follow the yeah, nail the it plays. down, nail it down, nail it down. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, because let me tell you something. You get that one right, you can really you can really write your own ticket. You get yeah. it wrong, it's a world of pain. Yeah, mm. it's a world of I, pain. I don't like pain, so I'm hoping. No, I'm no, hoping no, I play no. Right. We, we all. I like pain. I don't like most people. Mm-hmm. I certainly don't like most of the people that my friends date. But I uh, we like Katie. I'm glad. She's great. I'm glad. She's great. Um, so she's a podcaster too. So she's competition, but we we are okay <laughs> with is. that. She's okay. Take, she's, taking away our listeners. She's she's a much more wholesome. I think she, I, I think I, I think I think the scabrous characters that listen to us are not listening to her. <laughs> no, they, not. She's so wholesome. She is incredibly her, her and uh, her and her co-host uh, are so wholesome. They're so lovely and weird to something else entirely. Yeah. But we're talking movies. We've been away from you for, I guess, a couple weeks. I can't even yeah. remember what we do or don't do when Hollywood was... decides to release movies that are okay or maybe, yeah. you know, don't suck or whatever, or at least are intriguing to us. I think it was Bottoms last was thing the we last thing we about, talked probably. about. Yeah. So we got two movies. We got two movies yeah. in the opera today. Yeah. Well, we saw one last week and we saw it together. We saw it together, which we almost never do. No. And we, and we didn't even talk about we it. We never talk about it. No, that's it a very really hard and fast rule. I do not talk about the movies with Kyle until we get on here. Now, sometimes Kyle, because he's a bad boy, he's a naughty boy, will post his takes on the internet. So I'll know. Oh, I'll do, see do you follow take. me on Letterboxd? No, but you you post a little something on an yeah. Instagram story. I don't follow anyone on Letterbox. Uh-huh. You're not gonna find. Me I review read, every you're movie. You're not gonna I find see me on reading re- someone letterbox. else's Letterbox reviews. <laughs> you're not gonna find me doing that. I you jot, can miss me with that. I jot I jot down my guttural reaction your, about you know a couple hours after I guttural, seen the movie. Your guttural reaction, like you're a Mongolian throat singer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, <laughs> uh, so so, so occasionally I know because he'll make a little. Usually, when he doesn't like a movie, he'll make a little snide remark on. Uh, if I really Instagram, don't like it, and I'll if know, I really oh, guys, don't like, we don't it. like that one. So, uh, but I, but I, I do enforce a hard and fast no talk about it rule. And I also, quite frankly, I don't like talking about movies with anyone right after I see them. Yeah, uh, yeah especially fair. if they're any good, or if I think they're interesting at all, because I, I'd like to think about it for a minute. I'm always annoyed. Overhearing the conversations of people as they walk out of the theater, to giving their little um, take that they can make sure that you hear, because mm-hmm. everyone is uh, everyone's a podcaster now. That's all it's everyone true. is. And sometimes broadcasting just the people it's around true. them. Much as the people uh, in the movies now like to talk, people actually like to now talk more in the movies. I've experienced Hate more that. more movie talkers. I, so I saw three movies this weekend. Whoa! Yeah. Well, because she, Katie's not here. What That's else am right. I to do? You have nothing to do. Nothing to do. And AMC Stubbs. You know. Yeah, you got to get that Stubbs. But, but I saw get that Stubbs gone. I saw a movie that we're not going to be talking about today. Roger Ross Williams, who's a documentarian, did a biopic on uh, Saul Saul Armenes, uh, who is uh, Cassandro, the the Liberace of Lucha Libre. Uh, he's oh, uh, like, and so that sounds good. Yeah, no, Gail Garcia Bernal plays him. Excellent. He's excellent in the movie. 
But um, during the screening, we had pe- I had two people who thought it was their freaking couch, and yeah, they were talking it. the entire time. I don't understand it. Just stay home. Yeah, I agree. Just and stay especially because th- that movie is going to be on Amazon Prime next week. Well, so just stay home, anyways. Yeah, just stay home, anyways. Like, like I can talk with people at home. <laughs> exactly. I can talk with people at home. I'm not getting out of my house. No. To go talk. I mean, I'll go to meet someone to talk with them. You want a, experience? You want sensory experience? Or a restaurant or a park. But I'm not interested. I'm not going to go, even though I get a list. Yeah. Right. I, I can. I don't need to go into the theater to talk to someone. We could just talk wherever. Yeah. Right. We don't need to go into the theater. Yeah. I'm always. I'm always baffled when people talk through concerts. Hate that. Or, 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 well, you go to, but we've talked about this. You go to loud concerts. There's no talking. Luck, during, luckily, they are loud. I did see. There's no talking during your but, concerts. But one of my favorite bands, um, Leprous, they, they have a lot of so, uh, songs that are kind of uh, pop centric and like lo, they start low and then they rise. Like they have this kind of fluidity to their, to their, um, to their music. I saw them in March. Uh, I think it was March. But uh, because because some of it starts low, there were two people behind me that were Ugh. talking and commenting. They were like, "Oh my god, his voice is so good!" And it's like he does w- old they, Jewish women he, here. He, is, yeah, maybe. Uh, <laughs> 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 Someone's Jewish grandmother. Uh, so uh, yeah, I, I, the worst people are people who are on first dates. You yes. can always tell that yeah. those yeah. are the worst. I, I never. I, well, and the I, they just run their dudes on first dates. I veered away from movies on a first date. Um, no, I don't. I think I don't that's like a bad see, first date. I, I, it's it's not just you. I don't see movies with anyone. I see movies by myself. I, I mostly see by myself. I, li- I like yeah. to see movies by myself. Yeah, I don't find it to be a social. Yeah. Ben sat a couple seats away from me. I <laughs> sat one seat away just so I could spread out. <laughs> yeah, that's true. like a man spread. He was like, mm, I don't want to. Be associated with that gentleman yeah, that's right, right there. You know, can't be seen together <laughs> at the cinema. So the movie we saw together was El Conde. El Conde. The movie we saw separately was Dumb Money. Dumb Money. Which one would you like to talk about first? We never know. planned any of these things. This is all off the cuff. I don't know. Um, you because to talk about one? You feel strongly about one? You really want to get, I like get one. Off? I like one more than the other. Sure. Sure. Um, that's, that's the right answer. Pretty, I mean, yeah. although, how often do we like them both the same? It's almost never both yeah. the same. I do, I, let's just say, okay, I like, let, let's talk dumb money first. Let's, let's get do the, dumb let's money. Just, we are dumb that. money. We so. are, I mean, <laughs> and not much. You're looking at it. Not yeah. much. <laughs> My little 401k dumb money. So, dumb money uh, right there. Craig Gillespie, who's a filmmaker, uh, he did I, Tanya. And he was doing a Q and A right before uh, in the showing before mine oh, at the really? uh, AMC Century City Fifteen. Another movie being released on some inscrutable limited release schedule where I had to drive uh, someplace I didn't want to drive. Apologies, uh, honestly, to the world's th- that mall where this AMC Century City yeah. is the most bougie mall. So oh it's kind of a great God. place to see this movie. Because I was surrounded by the villains of the movie. You were. Because usually, sometimes, <laughs> they have office buildings sometimes we go to the Grove. So I feel like the Grove gets a lot of these limited releases. Yes. And the Grove, although it's kind of nice and luxurious, I think of as more of a people's mall. There's a much, it draws from a much broader swath of Los Angeles. Yeah, it, it has some high, higher end, say, shops, but not in the same way as Century City. Century is. City is all just the most bougie ass people. And so, yes, I felt like I was really in the lion's den <laughs> watching Dumb Money in, yeah. that, in that setting. Yeah, he's um, so he's an all right filmmaker. I did like I, Tanya quite a bit. I found it to be uh, a little bit of a, a Scorsese stylistic riff that that works in, a, in that kind of biopic kind of investigative yeah. uh, pull back the curtain way. He did Pam and Tommy, which I thought was okay. Did not watch. Yeah, it's okay as a limited... I like limited series, um, but... Yeah, it, keep it limited out there. Yeah. And here... We're not going to be watching Law and Order here. <laughs> yeah. No unlimited series. None of that. Well, no, but Too like, limited. you know, the one-off season yeah, no, of I'm, a show. I'm, I'm familiar. Yeah. We used no, to call, they used to be called miniseries, mini-series when, I was a, yeah. when I was a youngster. <laughs> yeah, I was got, a young lad. I remember those, like three episodes, four episodes. Yeah, the episodes. miniseries. Yeah. Um, and so, Dumb Money is his latest. And what's odd to me about it, um, and I, th- this goes into ma- mainly my own only criticism to it, is because I think it's competently made. 
I think it's well acted. I mean, how could it not be when you stack it? I think with almost every recognizable face of B B actors to A A list actors that you can conceive of, yeah. it's just bloated. Um, it, a lot of heavy it, hitters. A lot of heavy hitters. Vincent D'Onofrio, who I feel like we haven't seen a lot of lately, I, who I, yeah. who I thought was particularly delicious as piece of shit. I I, I thought he was the best of the piece of shits. Um, he certainly in, in was the most. He's uh, he is known to be sort of a method guy. Yeah, and he certainly bled the most into his character. Yeah, I'll well, say. like or, or like. He was the most unrecognizable. I mean, Rogan and Offerman, I guess, are so much themselves. Yes. And also just so... This is a problem with movies like this, is that they cast people that are both more attractive and more charismatic than the people they're meant to portray. A hundred percent. Same with uh, Sebastian Stan, right? I mean, just much more attractive and charismatic than the guy that he was... You know, so, I mean, you, you do see that a lot. I mean... I know that they cast Nick Offerman, who's like I guess supposed to look more like a regular guy, which means he's still really attractive by the standards of like humans. Yeah, even if he doesn't look quite like a model, for sure. Uh, so, so you get these guys that are very attractive and charismatic playing people who are somewhat less. Uh, I agree. Well, and and he also Vincent D'Onofrio has the better villain character because he almost is kind of enjoying he the was process. Really Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he, just he was, like it was very... like, well, like he has a good line in the beginning where he goes, I think I came because like they're pushed like the, yeah, the, he's yeah, got yeah. this competition, this like democratized competition. Like the Seth Rogan's character is sweating bullets like the entire movie. And it's kind of a, like a one note performance. And I'm sure that that's what the guy was like in a way. But Vincent D'Onofrio is almost kind of entertaining in that way. He's more eccentric. He's got, got a pig walking yeah, around. Yeah, he was definitely, feeding. of all of them, the funniest and yeah. the best. And the one Very who was the so. most sort of entertaining to watch chew up yeah. the scenery oh, or yeah. do whatever he was there to do yeah. I almost in, want in D'Onofrio-esque I, fashion. I wanted more of him. I like when they call him to get funding and he's just like, tell me a number. I don't care. Yes. <laughs> yes. No, he, he, he was, I was, I was happy to see him. Yes. I was happy to yeah. see him and I, and definitely of the, the villain of the rogues gallery of this movie. He is the most enjoyable. Enjoyable. What I was going to get at is like, this is one of the, it, it, so this is a movie that very much in structure and uh, style, format, all of it um, reminds me of The Big Short. I mean, I think Adam McKay kind of brought that, you know, to to, to fruition, and that itself was kind of a replica of Wolf of Wall Street. I, I know why you say that. I think that's right. Although I I I like this more than I like that. And I like. Oh, that's interesting. I find McKay. I find all the sort of fourth wall breaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And self-referential stuff. I There's find less that, of that. I find here. that to be grating. It's really almost none of it. I mean, they put some shit up on the screen. Yeah. To give you like a little background about people. But there's never any explainers thrown in or people talking to the yeah. screen. And and the explanation comes in the story and within the dialogue and within actual natural conversation in ways that I didn't – that worked for me. I mean, I, I thought that it's it explains enough without ever explaining too much. And the, yeah. the information is – presented or doled out in a way that seems like it would actually happen in actual conversations versus there's not a lot of just like dumping of information, which is a danger with something like that. I would almost be more interested in talking to somebody who was either unaware that this happened a couple years yeah. ago yeah. or didn't wasn't invested in the information because I was aware. I, I remember when Robin Hood shut down oh, the story. day of. It was, it was a, a huge story. story. And was, we were all sitting at home too, which is a big part yeah. of this big part of the movie. Yeah. Is is the yeah, the covid of it all. And yeah, I, th- I think we're going to land somewhere in some of this movie. I like this movie. I it's thought it was not entertaining. A bad movie. No. I, I'll say it good. I'll call it good. Dano is great. He he makes up for a lot. Best actors going. Yeah, I think he's one of the best actors going. Yeah, I think Dano as as that face and and he's and 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 as you said, some people get cast as more attractive, but he is actually I think uh, uh, equitable to to how the guy looks. Like he you know because he's He's not emerging kind of as to me like the Dustin Hoffman of our era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very similar. He he has a certain character to him, but he also can do a lot of different things. He can do character work. He can be a star. He's He's a little more nondescript looking than Hoffman, which I think serves him well. Yes. Because he can kind of be a lot of different guys and be them believably. Yeah. 
Uh, he has kind of an everyman quality to him that I think makes him, yes. you know, yeah. work in this role in particular. But he is in, yeah, he can really do it all. And I think he's, he, you know, this isn't the kind of performance that's going to get anyone any awards because it's not a very showy performance. But I thought he really anchors the movie. Oh, 100%. And, and it plays the character in a way that's very believable and very sympathetic and... Um and yeah to to me I you know I just like watching the guy work I think he's a real consummate pro yeah. he's carrying a lot in this movie not only as is he the kind of not only the anchor of the movie but he is the kind of rallying character for all those other subplots yeah there's a variety of subplots maybe one too many. <sighs> One too many. I think it gets a little exhausting. I think it, I, I understand the point of it. I understand why they landed on this idea because it is about a variety of people and experiences that rallied behind this guy, you know, who who's a pseudo expert in the realm of finance who took this on and drove the demo, this democratized grassroots process of investment and in uh, in stock with GameStop and. But and and so th- that's where where it got a little tiring. I was very gripped by Dano's performance and how he had the the the, the because he's not sure all the time. It's not he's not overconfident, but but he's he has like an idea of something, and so it's an underdog, yeah. but with hesitation. And you and so there's humility to it all. He's intelligent but humble. Um, he, you know, he, you get introduced to his family. He's got his fuck up brother, you know, Pete Davidson, who I, th- I think hams it up just a little too much. But I, I like that it, it, it tones down as it goes, you know, yeah, it, it kind of meets yeah. him. And I That's like what that you with that guy. He, you, know, 100%. He, you got what you got. You got what you got. I like and, his parents too. I like his parents. Yeah. Too. I love Clancy Brown. I love when he shows up. Um, he was in John Wick four. Like, I think he's going to be one of these character actors. Yeah. Done I mean, I've. Movies. You know, Clancy Brown, I've loved since watching like Starship Troopers yeah, back yeah. in the day and Highlander. Like he's great. I always love seeing him and, and he's getting more work these days. And so I'm, I'm loving that. And so the, the core of the film is, is good. That, that story, Keith Gill is interesting. I think he's interesting. I think everything that surrounds him is interesting. Yeah. But when you get too bogged down in the details of the subplots, it starts to drag a little or become a little uninteresting or not as compelling. Anthony Ramos's chapter is fine, you know, America Ferrera. I'm I'm not I'm not on, on board with the America Ferrera. Like I I don't think she's as compelling as people think yeah, she is. So we've got we've got broke nurse, GameStop worker, um college hot college lesbians. Hot college lesbians. That's those are like the big ones. Those are the big ones. Uh and then other kinds of things just smack together. I mean, I think this movie does a couple of things that I'm interested in. Yeah, yeah. I think it captures a couple of things that a lot of movies really haven't to this point. It captures something about the internet that movies haven't really captured, like the yeah. way Reddit works yeah. and the way that people kind of interact and the way that the way that the internet has become like this sort of independent chaotic element in yeah, yeah, events. Yeah. Yes, that's true. Right? And I mean, when you think about the past, certainly the, the past decade, you really couldn't tell a story about that uh, without looking at the internet, I mean, there's no Trump presidency without the internet. No, I right? agree. I mean, there's, I agree. there's no GameStop. There's no th- this this sort of the way that things can kind of mushroom very quickly yeah. and in ways that you really couldn't anticipate. Yeah, in ways that undermine the traditional sort of uni- unidirectional flow of information that characterized you know mass communication for its first you know yeah whatever century more or less right yeah i mean depending on you know obviously there was written communication then radio the whatever broadcast yeah. communication i guess i guess you should say i thought it captured that really well yeah yeah and i think it also um was one of the first movies to i think really capture i think i thought it did a really good job of capturing the covid experience and how that kind of fucked people up yeah, and, 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 and made not... people feel a certain like because the gamestop story is really about the collision of the internet and reddit in particular and covid yeah, yeah the way yeah. that so much of the past few years are like people sitting in their houses 
obsessing over shit and want to be about something want to do something yes, just yeah. hungry for anything yeah. I mean, it's the same story you could tell the same story about the the blm protests right yes people were just yeah. like cooped up in their i mean i think those protests would have happened regardless but i don't think they would have been anywhere near the scale no no had no, there not yeah, been yeah. covid because people I were agree. just cooped up and they were like i gotta get out i gotta do something and i can justify leaving home for this because this is important this is big this, this is large yeah right and so i thought that the movie without being about those things directly did a good to me the movie felt um i feel like it's a good document of its moment i'll yeah. say that i think it's a good document of the internet at that moment and the way that covid made people feel and how it made people want to be a part of something well and i agree with you i'm just like when i as i was watching it i was not like i found these things interesting i'm like reliving the experience of like following that story and the the various like uh, you know, uh, flagpoles of the story as they they were adapting it and, and laying it out. I just felt like maybe maybe could have waited a couple years, to like to have yeah. a, a a more advanced or matured um, sort of vision on those very issues and that very problem. Instead, it was it 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 was it kind of felt a little underbaked at times. Some of the storylines were a little underbaked, or at least assumed to be full in the in the the, the 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 tapestry of because it was a variety of stories. I just felt yeah, I, I wasn't like loving the experience and maybe it was because and and i will say maybe it's because i saw the trailer too many times because the trailer is essentially the movie i mean it walks you through the points the points the points the points It, it it's just that um laid out for two hours um but it doesn't it doesn't exhaust itself it doesn't overextend its welcome i think it is it, it it doesn't over explain. It doesn't talk down or condescend, like you said, with like Adam McKay, um, and his style and his expository style. I think this movie allows you to be part, re, be re part of that experience and experience its its um, its waves of emotion and to be part of its highs. You know, to feel as though you've won at at the yeah. end. Uh, that there's a small win. Um, that all of these people, well, some, most of them, mm-hmm. it's unfortunate that they, they go to the nurse and that she's still holding and she's down like many thousands of dollars. That, <laughs> that was, was depressing. Un- that was unfortunate. <laughs> no. But I, I, I do think that it has, I don't know about the timing of it. I think that the movie, I think that the sort of middle brow quality of the movie is some of its strength and some of its weakness. Sure. Yeah. I do think that you could have made a different movie that was just about him. Yeah. And that, was, and that would have felt very claustrophobic. Uh, it would have. it might have felt for him. It would have, but... Uh, and you would have had that directed perhaps by David Fincher. <laughs> and I think that that would have been a different and maybe just a potentially a more compelling movie. Yeah, it may be. If he was experiencing these other people as he did experience them, which is as ideas in a computer, mm-hmm. as opposed to us having these real people and their human interest stories yeah. made manifest. Yeah, they, they are manifesting something to us that other people, which I, I suppose you had to imagine, there's a lot of debate going on about selling or buying, you know, you know, reinvesting or upping your, your t- stake in the GameStop stock, and people... Think of people in theoretical terms. They're like, well, what if somebody else sells before I do? You know, you 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 want to get out while the getting's good. You know, but it it becomes something else. And so, may, may, I I understand the script writing process. I understand why they wanted to include stories because they wanted to make that concept of the theoretical that a lot of them were thinking about. That yeah. they were trying to put human beings in it rather than the numbers because it wasn't just about the numbers i just think that it should have been one then i think it should have mm-hmm. been a, a triangle it should have been him the rich guys and one other person one other person having three other storylines it just seems to me like i do think underbaked is right like yeah i mean i think that that there's there's good acting being done and i think they do a good job making their stories sort of engaging and and sympathetic but i don't know that he, I don't know that any of those stories independently is adding something really interesting. No, it, feel, it feels like something that, like, it feels, honestly, it feels a little executive-driven. It feels a little bit like, oh, let's let's yeah. hit a lot of different bases here, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, to me, it doesn't necessarily serve the story. No, not necessarily. It, it doesn't... It only detracts at times, and it only enhances at times. I don't... Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, I don't think it's... A huge problem, but I do yeah. think that it 
it dulls the movie a bit. I, I think agree. There, I think there could have. I, I think things could have been been made to boil a little bit more if there was a little bit more laser focus on specific stories and a little, a little more air in those scenes. Right? It's a very I much agree. a boom to boom to boom kind of thing. Yeah. There's not a lot of sort of uh, quieter moody moments right that might have um added a little suspense to the movie it's kind of just like well we go to this story we go to this story we go to this story but i still liked it i thought it was entertaining no i thought, I, it, I thought I, it was good i thought it was you know i thought it and like i said i i, I think it it succeeds uh, the, the way that it treated you know the internet felt very well spot on and that it's a new variable in how markets interact and how markets react and how people i think it's even bigger than that it's it's a new variable in how people construct and understand the world yes yeah yeah like like they are developing an understanding of the world and a picture of reality that is being driven by the yeah this struggle playing out on the internet i agree which is which is something new. Yeah, and and because of that, it was an interesting watch. And um, there there are very there, there are certain actors within it that that enhance it. I think Paul Dano is definitely one of them. And so, as a watch, I think I think it's worth watching. I think you'll if if you if you lived lived it, if you were aware in the news, like I think it. It, it recontextualizes back to you exactly what was happening personally with some of these people. Um, and then I think if, if you were unaware of it, I don't know how you weren't, but, but there are people out there yeah. um, that you, I, I think it would be an interesting kind of modern examination because of this, because of the internet, because of finance, because of markets, because of people. I think these are important features to like really understand and uh, to understand like what, what are the complexities and what are the simplicities of these of these issues? Well, yeah, and I, and I think it does a good job of illustrating something that's going to be increasingly a feature of our world, yes. right? Which is yeah. that you have a lot of this just inquit frustration that is just sloshing around the world like hot liquid in a pot, <laughs> right? And it could just coalesce in all different kinds of ways. Yeah around all different kinds of things. And we really, it's a real chaotic force. Yeah. Right. You know, it can be used for good. It can be used for bad. Well, I but, like that. This... Talk, people talk about the Obama Trump voter, right? This is a classic mm-hmm. example, right? And people, people who just are dissatisfied and frustrated and want something to be different. And yeah. can kind of pool up at any given moment around all different kinds of stuff. Yeah. And I think that that's a real, that they, they that simply wouldn't happen without the internet, right? Without this no. ability to have sort of a form of democratized mass communication, right? Yeah, you couldn't organize people like that. No, hundred percent. And now there's going to be just this constant kind of parade of spontaneous eruptions, right? <laughs> and this was one such yeah. eruption. It was. It was. And, it was uh, fascinating. It's it was... not the first one, uh, although it's early on in that story, and it's definitely not the last one, and we're going to keep seeing it. We are. Yeah. No, and, and so I... I was... Um, I, I, I suppose I wasn't pleasantly surprised by this movie. It met my expectations. I think it, I think it, what you think it's going to be, it, it is exactly what it is. And it's, uh, it's a well-constructed... Um, well crafted and um, well done movie. Yeah. Uh, I, I just uh, you know it wasn't special. Like you know, well that's you know, a good opportunity to transition because we go from a movie that I we knew a lot about going into to a movie that at least I knew almost nothing. About I only going knew into. concept. I only knew the concept. I knew that it was. A, we're talking about El Conde, El the latest Conde. Pablo Lorraine movie, uh, the Chilean director Pablo Lorraine, telling the story of. I think, without a doubt, the most significant Chilean of the 20th century. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Not, uh, no doubt I, I about it. I don't think there's any, you know, respect to Salvador Allende, respect to Pablo Neruda. I believe Neruda was Chilean. <laughs> uh, Lorraine did a biopic about Neruda. Which I have not seen. Which I uh, you, he, so, so this will play in the context of my critique and assessment of Oconde because he has done Chilean-focused films. Uh, about its politics, about its uh, nasty politics in the past, uh, you know, uh, under Augusto Pinochet. Yes, um, famously. Uh, no, no, no is a great film. Um, both both star Gil Garcia Bernal, I believe, and he plays uh, Neruda in a biopic, and it's quite good. Uh, it's quite good, and it it, it gives you uh, 
individual and political context, both one's a political context and one's an individual context about living under that sort of oppression and cruelty and brutality. Um, and so now he wants to tackle the subject itself. Yes. Uh, and so it is unlike any movie that you might see this year. I do think it is very unique. That is what it has yeah, going no, I, for I, it. I think so too. Yeah. I think so too. Did you, I, I'm curious what you thought. I thought this. it was good. I thought yeah. it was, I really liked it. Yeah. I thought it was, um, I thought it was very, uh, I liked the way it was impressionistic yes. and strange. Abstract, for and sure. fucked up and nightmarish. Yeah. Because it is it is talking about the stuff of nightmares. Yeah. Right? And I think that... Uh, I think that there was something very, um, for me, uh, meaningful about watching someone try to wrestle down the nightmare of 20th century history yeah through his particular through the lens of his country in mm-hmm. this particular series of horrors and not just that it's like what does a series of horrors like this do to a country like can you heal or is it always a monstrous like horror that hangs over you like that's how almost how it feels like because this takes place in the modern day pinochet has not died is just lurking as though he is count dracula in some estate somewhere as his parasitic children are looking to reap the thievery and benefits of this and uh it, it's almost like as though the horrors of history and the perpetrators of that like maintain in the soil like that's how it feels like it feels yeah. like Laurent like is is trying to cope with the monster that is pinochet well but but he is and we are yeah, right yeah. i mean so, so you think about someone like pinochet right i don't want to represent myself as an expert in this no issue, yeah right? but pinochet comes to power after an American-led overthrow, an American-supported overthrow of a socialist, somewhat left, uh, democratically elected President Salvador Allende. He uh, makes Chile a client state of the West, right, in the midst of the Cold War, where everything is being hashed out in terms of the rising specter of communism, right, and how it needs to be snuffed out at every turn. And by the way, we need to make sure that nobody gets in the way of our whatever extraction we want to do wherever we want to do it, right, to fuel the growing American and Western economy. And there is no end to that story. No. Right? There is no end to that story. Not yet. Not yet, right? I there was I just read a great book by um, uh, Yanis Varoufakis uh, about the Greek debt struggle, about when Syriza took over mm-hmm. the, the left wing party in Greece, and the sort of debt struggle that occurred with the IMF and the European Union, and their attempt, their ultimately failed attempt to get out of this endless cycle of like busting and getting bailed out and busted in, and yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah. it's this endless cycle of austerity imposed by the IMF and the world that doesn't work because it can't work because what ends up happening is you just shrink your economy. So mm-hmm. you end up having less ability to pay back than you previously did. And I, there was another article in the New York times today about, I even forgot what country I think it might've been New Guinea or Guyana. It doesn't really matter. Some country that's been through this cycle like 17 times since 1950-something. And so you have this whole most of the world, right, that exists in this constant cycle of just relying on other countries, relying on the world. You know, this is all part of post-World War II, uh, you know, the post-World War II reality, which is where something like the IMF and all that, you know, came out of. So, I mean, this whole picture of most of the world the what we call sometimes the global south right that just 
just kind of just gets fucked with, mm-hmm. right? Because that's really what this movie is about. Yeah, because yeah. Pinochet in the end is a child, right? He's the he's child. A, he's and a we child. know who the mother is, right? And you know that this was made for me, just like <laughs> David Lynch playing John Ford at the end of the Spielberg yeah, yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To have the narrator and the ultimate villain be Margaret Thatcher could not be any more targeted at me no, than yeah. if Pablo Lorraine had asked me personally. Yeah, how to right? yeah. how who, who what should happen, <laughs> right? But he's not wrong. I mean, no, these things no. were the cat's paws no, of these are, wealthier countries. These are very overt metaphors, but they are not wrong. Like, you know, that that's well, what yeah, but, he's... But he's not trying to be subtle. And, no, you know, no, I think oh, there's no, something no. to be said for that, right? I think, I, I think that the idea that this has to be some sort of subtle allegory. Like, this motherfucker was pushing people out of planes yeah, or yeah, helicopters. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, how subtle can do we need to be? Yeah, he, he does not need to treat his subject with subtlety when that subject was not subtle in their means, in their executions, and in their ways. Yeah, I agree. But, I agree with you. But it is you. quite a funny movie. Oh, very. And in a way... And in a way Gr- grotesquely it, it is, and brutally funny. It is sort of... It, it, it does belong in some... I mean, it, it owes something to old horror. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, you know you you know the movie history better than I do, but you know Cabinet of Doctor Cagliari kind of stuff, just just old horror. It, but it also owes something to Mel Brooks. Well, it it, well, it owes something to Mel <laughs> maybe Brooks. a little bit of Mel Brooks, but you're right because uh, before George Romero changes horror with like Night of the Living Dead and brings horror to kind of like a populace and here horror used to be of the of the old traditions of the power of aristocracy. And I think that that fits, you know, and how Ed Lockman shoots this in gorgeous, gorgeous black and white Great looking movie. It, it, what a Great gorgeous movie. movie it, this movie is. And to capture it in, in that essence, it is a throwback to taking you to Dracula, to vampire. Um, it is, it is trying to look at horror <coughs> in that, in the old vein and that the, that kind of horror still exists in in totalitarianism and in th- that level of brutality that a country can and, and a leader of a country can utilize that aristocracy and how it it persists. I mean that that's why it's shot in that way. And that's why he takes it back. It's really impressive. It's a really impressive visual feat. Yeah, I mean, I I just think that you know, we talked about. Um... The Inyarito movie last year, mm-hmm. and, I, and I sort of made a defense of it, saying, "Well, this is what's inside his head." You know, mm-hmm. people will add, people will ask him, like, "What do you tell me about you, your creative process, how it works?" And so he made the movie. Yeah, and I thought, you know, I thought as an act of bluff calling, it was kind of great. Yeah, because it felt to me very honest. Yeah. But I will say that the things in Lorraine's head might be more interesting. I agree because he is thinking about his country, and. You know, my favorite line from Ulysses, right? You know, history is a nightmare from which we're trying to wake up. What, like, what, what would it mean? What, how would we do it? And he clearly doesn't have an answer, and he may not think it's possible. Yeah, yeah. Right? But this idea of just sitting with the nightmare of this, mm-hmm. sitting with the nightmare of it. And the thing I kept thinking watching the movie was that the acts of savagery and brutality that are being depicted on the screen... Really hold nothing to what was done. No, I agree. I agree. <laughs> to what was done. Yeah, if you know. If you, you know, know those camps. What was and, what, what happened yeah. right, in these places. And what has happened again and again and again throughout the 20th century. Perpetrated by us. Perpetrated by our clients. Perpetrated by, yes, you know, Stalin and all the people on yeah. the other side of this conflict. Yeah, so much. So much bloodshed. Uh, you, know, you know, this is... So, so, you know, to to force that, you know, honestly, I found the movie to be provocative and confrontational, and I don't think movies are very often that anymore. No, well, and and I don't think a lot of people have the courage to be quite so provocative and confrontational. Well, and he's approaching it, I I suppose, because we talked about a provocateur uh, uh, last year, maybe a year or two years ago, is uh, Benedetta Paul Verhoeven. And I feel like uh, Lorraine is, uh, you know, uh, tackling this subject matter in the same way like Verhoeven would. You know, it, it it it's over the top. It's it's bloody. It's grotesque. He looks upon the church in a vein of criticism, and um, you know, to be seduced by the 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 aspects of power within the country. I was seduced by the nun, by the way. Oh, I mean, I she's very captivating, isn't I was, she? I was like, sure. <laughs> 
Yeah, why not? I'll make you a vampire. <laughs> She's got a very striking look. She almost looks, and maybe purposely designed, as though she was straight out of uh, Theodore Dreyer's um, yes. Passion of Joan of yes, Arc. Yes, yes, yeah. There was something. There was definitely something. Yeah, uh, Dreyer about this. I mean, the dynamics just that, of this that, movie, that, the, the whole setting, like yeah. it just felt so. The Stark. movie just had kind of a lovely emptiness yes, to it. Yes, yes. Right? Stark, there's, empty, There's just lovely. a real sense of they're on that island. Honestly, it, that reminded me a little bit of the lighthouse even. Just yeah. this sense of kind of being away yeah. in a place that was off. They, yeah, they even have to ride a boat called the Ark Yeah, yeah, it. yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> once again, it's sort of, it's so heavy-handed, it's almost great, right? It is, yeah. you know, we all know what he's doing there. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I've been watching... I don't know if you've watched it. Succession. Um, I have HBO. not watched Succession. I don't necessarily recommend it, to be honest. I'm I sure I I think it's very like well Brian acted. Cox. I think it's got some great. Oh, Brian Cox is the reason to watch it. He's incredible. Yeah, I mean, he's good. He's good. Um, he's good at acting. But it's it is this kind of American finance dynasty that it's working with. But it remind. I was while watching El Conde. I was like, oh. The dynamics of Pinochet and his children, yeah. and how what they want, what the the parasitic attitudes of what they want out of what he has built, and what he has built and where he's sitting is just an empty nothing of of pillaging and and violence, and they just want to like suck the teat off of this, and they're just concerned about what they get and what they and they're just idiots they are just yeah. stu- one's more stupid than the other yeah the total clowns clown and total clowns <laughs> I, and it's just and, and i love that he's having fun with that he's playing into the buffoonery of of because while something of this horror requires maybe some craft and some cunning and then also just no moral conscience whatsoever more, no moral conscience also makes you look like yeah, an I mean, absolute I guess, I guess fucking he put, he's buffoon. He's putting like a dash of Buñuel or something. Yes, in here. yeah, just, yeah, a just, little bit of that. With I them, felt that right. Just, just this sort of dopes, right? Because <laughs> like, because like you've got these the the actual movers of the story, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah and yeah, they're yeah. just there to be some sort of comic relief almost. I mean, yes, it's borderline slapstick. Yes, like it's not, I mean, it's not actually slapstick, but I mean, they're really stupid. They are. And yeah. they, they're just so venal. Like, they really are just like, well, you know, we just want to make sure we secure, you know, whatever little chunk of this nightmare fortune we can. Yes, exactly. And so there's it is that desperation and then the the callousness, like the, the just the how they how Lorraine like sets up this familial interplay just pronounces the themes like enhances the themes of what played out in the country it's just these few few people of power um bet, betting and being you know uh petty about what they can get out of something about how and, and even pinochet at one point is like i'm okay to be called a murderer but i don't want to be called a thief yeah yeah you know it's like those well, concerns that'll tell, you, that'll tell you what he thinks about right-wing people exactly <laughs> and I mean, he clearly has a very you know yeah whatever. i mean he's got a perspective he's got an agenda and i i find that to be I find that to be delightful. Yes. Yeah. Like I said, yeah. I like that it's prov- a provocation. Yeah. I like it that it has an agenda. I like that it's angry. It I is. Ve- a, it is a very a angry response. work, and I do. I think. I think it's so reasonable. Like, how can you not approach this kind of subject without being angry? But but it is important. It is important that he brings in Thatcher. Yes. Yeah. Because this is where I get frustrated in where I feel like we really get fucked up is that I think we're at the point now where we can take someone like Pinochet. It's be very hard to find someone in the West who will defend Pinochet. That is hard. Yes. But you'll find plenty of people who defend Thatcher and Reagan. Oh yeah. Yeah. You'll find plenty of people who defend them. Oh for sure. They they are. And that is the nature of the American exception where everything everyone else does is a horror and everything we do is nuanced and we had good intentions and we were trying our best and oh isn't it unfortunate right and that has gotten us where we are today which is a world where by far the most malevolent thing that any country has done in the 21st century is what we did to Iraq Mm -hmm. there's no competition I mean what Russia is doing in Ukraine is terrible 
right? But they'll need to do more and be there for longer That's to true. destroy that country the way we destroyed Iraq. Yeah, yeah. And we did Afghanistan too, just as a bonus, right? So, but of course, our actions get interpreted in the most favorable, nuanced way by us, and everything everyone else does is just uh, nightmare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess you could go different directions with that. The direction I go is that it's all nightmarish. And mm-hmm. I, I justify mm-hmm. none of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Of course, people, you know, people will accuse you of making whatever equivalences they want to accuse you of. But I, I think that the, the record in this is very clear. And to me, the, the second half of the 20th century and things like what we did in Chile and what we did in Indonesia, and what we did in Nicaragua, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Shoot, what we did in Afghanistan, right? Uh-huh. I mean, where we where we fomented a conflict. Not the not recently, not recently, 20 years. But oh, like, yeah, 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 yeah. When we fomented a conflict to draw the Soviet Union into a quagmire in, by quag, supporting yeah. the people who, guess what, became Al-Qaeda, yeah. right? The Mujahideen. Yes. Yeah, they did. So the way that we have just pushed people around the world like it's our little chessboard, right? I mean, until we can break that cycle, we're going to be doomed to repeat this over and over again. I'm reminded of a video that pops up, and I know you don't agree with a libertarian point of view on many things, but... uh, I think think libertarians and the, you know, I think this is what, these interventions (laughs) is one place where we find common cause. Well, and and I'm recalling uh, during a Republican debate when Ron Paul said, we need to put ourselves in our shoes, like, why why were we attacked in 9-11? It's like, you need to understand that it's because we're over there. We're over there, and they responded, and uh, Julie Giuliani got really offended oh, okay. by, it, yeah, well. by it, of course. But I'm reminded of that, and that is that is definitely an attitude I've had very early on, like late late high school, early college, when I was you know developing a political conscience, where I was uh, you know uh, around me was the after effects of Iraq and Afghanistan, and I, I I am in agreement with you. You look at the actions in this way, you look at the the manipulations of this way, and it is all a horror. It is it is a a devastation, and and until we can stop the the cycle of that, because that's what we're caught in. It's yeah. it's they do this, and then we do this. They do that, and then we do this. But we need to break that cycle, and that needs to stop. I mean, there are, I think, a majority or at least a significant number of Republican candidates for president now are advocating invading Mexico. Uh, yes. I mean, that's yeah. insanity. It is. That is insanity. That's the kind of thing that should get you like ejected from public life. Yeah, you'd be, like that, you'd that be the one al- percent candidate. That alone should be like, no, we can't let you. Mm-hmm. Not, that's a no. That's going to be a no from me. Yeah. Right? And, you know, when you think about... I mean, you talk about 9-11, right? When you think about, you know, the effect that we have on the rest of the world and how we would, how amenable we would be to someone taking military action against us yeah. for, you know, to redress whatever grievance they perceived we probably accurately perceived we were responsible for. I just think that, you know, at some point, I find it comforting. I mean, that's not quite the right word. <laughs> I find it... Uh, I mean, it's about time. Mm-hmm. Right? It's about time. Yeah. yeah. You know, someone just come out and say, this is it. This is what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the nightmare that it is. And I think Lorraine has become this impressionistic expert at taking these things. It's really something I believe in. I mean, how often do we talk about Lynch? I really do believe in the power of surrealism to be realer yeah. than reality, I right? Agree. To yeah. use the tools of science fiction or fantasy or genre or whatever to get at a truth that you can't get at through just yeah. a more social realist or documentary style presentation and his surrealism is not like explicitly lynchian but it is surrealism bunuel is is a good is a good uh, figure to look at like discreet charm of the bourgeoisie and um an exterminating angel that that is lorraine's style like that's what he's tackling and he does it with spencer he does it with um, No at times and, and, and Neruda for their perspective changes. But I like that in this biopic sphere, he is orienting it in a sense of 
perspective. You are in Princess Diana's head and how she might feel about this situation, feel this experience. You are in Jackie's head, you know, and how she experiences the aftermath of this horror of of her husband being assassinated. And with Pinochet here, it is the perspective of this person, this monster. Like that's who, and how they are engaged with this black and white nasty cruel barbaric world that they just operate in and are comfortable and functional and it's in that abstract nature that really enhances it and it's a really impressive work because of that but amongst the the parallels between spencer and this is something i think you've already alluded to a bit which is that even at some point pinochet feels powerless yes yeah and this this sort of phenomenon of this is a very modern world phenomenon of feeling overtaken by events, mm-hmm. right? Even the most powerful people or the most central people feeling overtaken by events and by forces of history, Yeah, right? This whole dialogue that has emerged with mixed results around the existence of a deep state in the world and what is the deep state mm-hmm. has to do with this. This feeling that even the people who seem to be the most powerful don't seem to really have the power. And indeed, nobody's exactly sure who has the power or why things happen. And and th- these events just sort of overtake everything, right? It, it's and, and it's funny, right? Because the nightmarishness of the particular evil of Pinochet is juxtaposed against perhaps the even greater horror, right? That that we don't really even understand exactly why yeah, yeah, yeah. things happen as they do. Yeah. Right? Or they that there is a point at which the momentum of and this is I guess what we were trying to get at earlier about the legacy of the twentieth century, the momentum of the way things are and the way that things have been done and the weight of that history just kind of keeps the thing rolling. Yeah, and that, which is I really mean, the state we're in right now is that the thing just seems to get sort of worse and more fucked up, yeah. kind of on its own weight. Very much so. It it all, and that's kind of symbolized in the end of this movie as Pinochet becomes a child re- yeah. reborn yeah. and cycle begins. The cycle anew. begins anew, and so it's the it it it's a warning. It's a provocation. It's a warning, and it's trying to get us to realize that these. These horrors can stay with us, and if we don't address them, they can cycle back. And uh, that that is that is the true kind of horror nature of this movie. It, it, it's utilizing the genre to proclaim that there are horrors beyond the concept of of folklore and monsters of our imagination. That there are true monsters here, and Pinochet was one of them. Absolutely, and that, yeah, I mean. You know, I don't think I don't think Lorraine has any sort of answer, uh, and I don't think he's not I required. He, I don't think he is posing as someone who has an answer. But I guess if he if he's um, proposing any sort of first step, it's just that you have to stare this thing in the face. Yeah, and the movie definitely radiates the energy of someone who is deeply interested and concerned yeah. with these questions. Very and much. I think that. Uh, only someone who felt these things very strongly and deeply and particularly and personally would have made this movie. Yeah. And yeah. so I think it's quite an accomplishment. Yeah. I, I yeah, the, the, it, it's, it's a sledgehammer at times, but again, like we said, it's a purposeful sledgehammer. And so uh, it's, it's a tough watch, a tough, tough and even it's bleak and dark humor at times, you know, but, uh, but it's purposeful. It's because it's angry. It's, it is pointed and uh and felt and you can feel it throughout it it's it's it is it is certainly not some sort of like fabrication of a feeling it, this is a personal film and uh impressive because of it so no i i enjoyed i enjoyed this movie and nasty i think it's it benefits nasty. from being nasty yeah it is a nasty right, movie because, yeah because that keeps it he's so he has so much hate in his heart for pinochet and such a nasty desire to reduce him that i think it keeps the movie from ever being particularly high-handed yeah because he just he wants this man to be punished and he but he doesn't he can't get him punished he tries and he fails tries tries yeah uh with all the power of making this movie he can't get there but he wants it and that very personal anger and disgust 
keeps the movie from ever having any moment where it feels sermonizing. No, no, yeah, I agree. I agree. It feels it feels like um, a movie made by someone with hate in their heart. And uh, that's someone I can relate to. <laughs> Very much so. That's someone I, I can relate to. I will to. reiterate a point you made earlier on. This is why I think it was good that I didn't talk about this movie right away because I didn't know how I felt. It was a very, it was it was a gut punch of a movie. Yeah. Um, but what I did find was that in this week, and I'm glad almost that we didn't talk about it immediately and that I had a whole week to really think about it because this movie has kind of plagued my mind visually, yeah. um, thematically. Yeah, this will stick with you. Um, and so I do think this is one of those movies that, you know, I, I process early on and then the more I think about it, it generates more of a positive feeling in my brain um, based off of the experience and based off the lingering effects of that experience, yeah. which I think is a testament to Lorraine as a filmmaker, because I think, I think even, you know, same with Spencer, you know, we talked about Spencer and then like weeks later, I'm thinking about that movie. Yeah. You know, there's just things about his style. It's haunting. And he's, craft he's, is he's haunting. haunting. He yeah. gets in, he, you know, that's another little Lynchian element is it kind of gets in your head. Yeah. Right. It has that quality where you, you think about it. Right. Yeah. And the, the images sort of stick with you. Yeah. Uh, if this doesn't get a cinematography nomination, I will be I just little... feel like this movie's going to fall through the cracks. Uh, I it's mean, a bummer. It barely got a theatrical release. Barely, yeah. Uh, it's, you know, it's already, I think it's already on Netflix, so you can watch it. You can watch it from your couch. You could. And you there was should. something. There was something positive about seeing it in the theater, though. Like, oh no, this to, is great. I, would, I mean, yeah, yeah, this I would is, recommend it's a, it. I, it's definitely. A, I don't know if you can see it in the theater. I know anymore. it's a bummer, but uh, I yeah, I hope it gets some some notice somewhere. Yeah. I hope it gets some attention. Maybe if it gets some award nominations, that gives it a second life. And sure, it gets another look. But uh, I think it might fall through the cracks a little bit, which is unfortunate. I think it might. Um, well, that was that was good. Good talk. Yeah, good, good talk. talk. They, um, they busted out dumb money. They busted out the heavy he- the heavy trailers. They're, they're bringing out the oh, trailers for the good movies. They, they are starting to show. They're the starting Alexander to show. The Alexander Payne movie. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, I, it I, looks a little cheeky. Obviously, but, Killers uh, of the Flower Moon. Uh, we're all excited for that. Very much so. Um, I was going to say, I mean, next week we could take off unless you... It really will depend on if you can find Flora and Son, which is John Carney's new movie. Um, he did the movie once, um, okay. Begin Again, uh, Sing Street. Um, I like his movies, but I don't think that that's going to be at the AMC. Yeah. So that will I'm depend. I'm going to be gone anyways. Actually, I'm going, I'm going out of town. Oh, you're going People out of town. So, so I'm going to be gone for, for a little over a week. Don't, don't, so, don't so, worry about so, it then. So I won't be here. So, um, yeah. So w- when we come back, the, w- you know, Florence Sun's one of them. But then there's, the, I maybe you saw the trailer for Fair Play, the, yeah. net, the Netflix movie about yeah, yeah. the... the uh, I guess they're competing for a job, and but they're mm-hmm. in a romance. But uh, I thought those two would be good to see. So if we could see them at some point, we could reconvene at a convenient time to talk about them. Yeah. Oh, what else? They, what other? I hadn't even following this movie at all. The the Barry Keown movie where he goes Saltburn. Yeah, where yeah. he goes to some. That's uh, Emerald Fennell who uh, did uh, Promising Young Woman. Sex. It's about sexy Brits. Sexy Brits, sexy yeah. Brits being sexy in a big house. Yeah, that comes out in November. Yeah, so November. so that, I saw that trailer for the first time. Uh, love yeah, that guy. That looks good. I love him. I love, love him that guy. Indeed. Um. So yeah. Um. Yeah. I think on our radar is Fair Play, Florence Sun. I mean, if we wanted to see the creator, the Gareth Edwards film. Uh, is that going to be any good? I I like Gareth Edwards, but I I don't think it's going to be good. It might be okay. It might be okay. Might be okay. I mean, what? What doesn't? It, don't we always want big budget original That's movies? That's true. I mean, isn't I am the, going. Isn't that the thing we all say we want? It's true. I am going to go see it. I'm going to go support it. Um, and then afterwards, I mean, then October we start getting a lot of stuff. Okay. I think I think it's going to be good. Now okay. I think this will be fun. Yeah, knocking on the wood desk. Um, yeah, I, I'm. You know, Anatomy of a Fall is coming out. Yeah, uh, we got uh, Foe. Did you see the trailer for Foe yet? No. With Sir Ronan and Paul Mescal no. from After. Son. No, I looks I like really those good. People. I like those actors. Very good. It looks very, very good. We got um, uh, New Fincher. We got New Fincher. New Fincher at the end of October. Yeah, we got yeah Killers of Flower Moon in October. Of course, that's that's the yeah. one that I'm gonna have to 
I don't know, not, not drink any fluids. <laughs> yeah. Three and no, a half hours. Actually, actually, I'll just have to go with someone, and they'll just fill me in when I have to go leave. When, when you have, yeah, that would be wise. That would be wise. Because yeah, I actually, I might try it. and get a group to go see that because I'm very excited to see that. Group of group of psychos. group of people. Group of people. Uh, no, group no, of I mean, film no, no, psychos. Yes, film psychos. I'll I'll keep you in the loop. Film Psychos is the secret <laughs> title of this podcast. Well, um, Ben Thalen, does Dead Reckoner Substack? You're probably, if uh, you're not listening to it on my Patreon, you're listening to it on his Substack. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. So get Kyle's, he needs your support. He's getting married. Uh, He's that's getting married. True. His dowry needs Starting to be filled out. Starting to put out. down deposits. I've, so. I have promised to provide a goat for his dowry, but he may need more. To uh, close the deal with Katie, we so will send... not eat that goat. By the way, that will, we will milk that goat, and he, okay. they will be a pet. Okay, so so <laughs> send send any uh, any uh, little bits and bobs you have his way, so he can That'd be uh, great. He can he can hammer down this the, these wedding negotiations. Yeah, they are negotiations. They these are marriage negotiations. negotiations. But uh, no, uh, she's from a good family though. So. <laughs> very, very good. But th- but thank you all for listening. And, uh, you know, just be safe out there. Be safe out there. Go see um, some good movies. Go see, go see El Conde. Movie. You can stream it. Go yeah, see it. Go see that. And uh, we'll talk to you soon about more. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.